Welcome to episode 205 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi friends, I'm about to tell you how to get my favorite electrolytes for free, plus special announcement, Element's new chocolate medley is here. So when you think electrolytes, you might think summer and hot times and needing to stay hydrated. But did you know that hydration is actually super important in cold weather as well? There's an idea out there that cold weather reduces our hydration needs. That's not true. So in the cold, two main things can actually increase our metabolic rate. You may be working harder, tramping through the snow, and you can be wearing cumbersome winter clothing that can actually raise your energy needs by 10 to 20%. And as your metabolic rate raises, your sweat rate raises, and you need to replace those fluids with electrolytes. You also lose more water when it's cold through your breath. That's because cold temperatures contain significantly less water than hot temperatures, aka it's drier outside. When you breathe in that cold, dry air, your respiratory system actually acts like a humidifier so that your body can be warm and humid like it likes to be. Of course, that drains your hydration reserves as well. One study actually found that respiratory water loss after a full day of activity nearly doubled at freezing temperatures compared to the 70s. On top of that, when you're cold, you actually become less thirsty, possibly from blood vessel constrictions in the cold, which can trick the body into thinking the blood volume is higher than it is. In other words, it's cold out there. You probably need hydration. And electrolytes are so key for all of these cellular processes in your body, all of your energy production. It all requires electrolytes, but it can be hard to find electrolytes, which are clean, without unnecessary fillers, and which you can feel good about drinking. That's why I love Element. There's a reason I'm obsessed with it. There's a reason all you guys are as well. And like I said, I'm so excited because Element's new chocolate medley is here featuring chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. And this is a limited time, so you definitely want to stock up on these now. Plus, you can get a free gift with purchase when you purchase that chocolate medley or other Element electrolytes. That's right, you can get a free sample pack, eight single serving packets for free with any Element order. It's a great way to try all eight flavors or share Element with a salty friend. You can get yours at drinklmnt.com slash ifpodcast. That's drinklmnt.com slash ifpodcast. By the way, those chocolates in that chocolate medley make delicious hot chocolates. And of course, as always, Element has a no questions asked refund, so you have nothing to lose. So go to drinklmnt.com slash podcast to get your free electrolytes.
One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 205 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. How are you today, Jen? Huh. <laughs> I'm still working on my book. It's like every day I've got to work on it for hours and I'm tired of it. But because of the quick deadline, it'll be over soon, right? That's true. Yes, because if I didn't have the quick deadline, I'd be procrastinating. So thank goodness for the quick deadline, but it's going well. I did some really good work on it yesterday. It's starting to flow. Instead of being just a collection of loose ideas, it's starting to sound like a book. So it's exciting. It is exciting. It reminds me of I don't know if it's like a theory or it's the idea with procrastination that any task you have fills 
to fill the amount of time you have. Like you can finish it right at the last minute and it, it seems like it literally took that amount of time, but really it just so perfectly fills to fill whatever time you have. Yeah. Because, you know, it determines like how much earlier in the day I start working on it, for example, versus, oh, I think I'm going to putter around in here and do some laundry. And I'm like, no, I've got to get busy. Yeah. Very true. <sighs> anyway, I'm learning a lot. I bet. <laughs> yeah. So what's up with you? Well, I interviewed Dave Asprey. And how was that? How was that? Oh, my goodness. It was so surreal. Because really, there really are two people that when I first started becoming obsessed with diet and health and fitness, it was really Rob Wolf and Dave Asprey. I mean, those are the people that I've been following since 2012, semi-religiously. And I'd interviewed Rob Wolf on the show, which for listeners, I can put a link to that one in the show notes. And that that was the interview where I almost cried. I was just so overwhelmed with gratitude. This one, I was it was interesting. I wasn't nervous leading up to it at all until about 10 minutes before. And then I was just like freaking out. <laughs> That's funny. With Dave Asprey, you for freaking out? With Dave Asprey. Yeah. <laughs> but it went, it went really well. We recorded for an hour and a half, which was amazing, especially because I think he was only booked for like an hour. So he was really generous with his time. It was just very surreal. We did have a very nice conversation about Bulletproof Coffee. <laughs> I did mention a lot this show. I was very upfront about how on this show we have like a clean fast mentality that we talk about. But then I talked about how I am transparent. I think I'm transparent on this show. You can let me know if I'm not. I feel like I've, I am always contemplating if what you're putting in your body is having the same epigenetic changes as fasting, like what are the implications there? I basically said that I, like to think about the concept of what does and does not break a fast. So we talked a little bit about that. He was talking about how with Bulletproof Coffee, that the fat does not affect mTOR or insulin. So it's similar to the fasted state. And now I'm going to be confusing listeners, but <laughs> it was a good conversation. Well, you know, one of my big issues with the fat in your coffee cup, and I talk about this in Fast Feast Repeat, you know, we have three goals for the clean fast, and one of them is to tap into stored fat for fuel. And I mean, I think no one can argue that if you're putting a ton of fat in your coffee cup, you're also going to be tapping into stored fat for fuel. So. Yeah, exactly. We were talking more about the epigenetics of fasting rather than where you're burning fat from. Although I will say, you know, there's some kind of thought out there that fat causes zero insulin response, and that's not true. Yeah. So. People say zero, but I think. It's not zero. <laughs> people say zero, but it's, it can be very tiny. It's still really small. I don't know what it is. But it's not zero. You know, we can't say ingesting fat causes zero insulin response from, you know, anyway. That's just a little a little point there, but I think I might have talked about that with Marty Kendall of Optimizing Nutrition. Oh, I'm so excited to interview him. He's so great. Like, he is just great. Yeah, I'm really, really excited. I'm a huge fan. He's doing some really good work with his data-driven fasting. The reason I was having the interview was because he did release a book about fasting called Fast This Way. We started talking about that, like that was the focus, but then it very quickly dovetailed into all things biohacking 
obviously, since your show is the biohacking (laughs) podcast. (laughs) And since he is very much into biohacking. So we had a lot of really good conversation. And at the end, he talks a lot in his book about the power of language, which is something I'm very obsessed with. And so he talks about how you should have like language fasts. So fasting from certain words. And one of them is can't. And then I was saying that I've started implementing that because when you think about it, when you say I can't rarely, and he says never, rarely, if ever, is that true? I'm so contrarian because now I'm like thinking of a hundred different ways that. (laughs) Yeah. So this was, okay. So this was the conversation I had with him because he was like, he said, anything that you say, he doesn't really say this in the book, but in the episode, we talked about it. He said, anything you say, like if you say, oh, I can't travel to Mars right now, his response would be, you don't have the knowledge to know how to travel to Mars right now. Like if you had the knowledge, you would know how to do that. Then I said something and I think I stumped him. What did you say? I said, I can't not have done something that I did. Well, that's true. Uh, Yeah, I don't buy that. There's a lot of things I can't do. (laughs) But I mean, if you're going to say, like he said, I don't have the knowledge to do that. I mean, that could literally be anything. Like I can't be invisible. Now, I mean, really, if you could just say, I I don't have the knowledge right now to be invisible, then I mean, that that would mean that can't is an impossible word, but I don't buy that. Sorry. That's why I think what I said might be the only thing. But then he said what? No, I, I don't agree with his. Any. That's a spin. That's semantics to me. I cannot flap my arms and fly like a bird. You don't have the knowledge to know how to do that. Well, I, I know that physics does not allow me to flap my arms and fly like a bird. His response to that was, you don't have the knowledge to know how to change physics. Well, that's true. I, I can't change physics, Dave. <laughs> I'm sorry, but look, I taught gifted kids. I bet Dave would have been one of those gifted kids right in my classroom having this argument with me. But I don't think that I would have bought it then either. I still think my answer is the one answer. But then to that, he said... What about the multiple universe theory? So there could be a version of you where you didn't do that. I actually do. Okay, I see his point on that one. Well, I agree with that. But I would say, but yeah, but this version of me has still done it. Like this version of me in this universe can't have not done something that this version of me did. I don't believe that the word can't is not possible. Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) I cannot change the laws of physics, nor do I. think that saying I don't have the knowledge to change the laws of physics means that I could actually change the laws of physics. (laughs) Well, the example he gives in his book, it's a more practical example. He says for 24 hours, you shouldn't say can't and you'll realize you say it to people. Like people will say, do you want to do this? You'll say, oh, I can't right now. And I realized, oh, like every time you say I can't, like I can't do this with you or I can't, like when you say no to people, it's usually not a can't. It's a, I don't want to. Yep. I don't have time. I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is like staying with me. Like I I have resolved now to not say can't in these situations. And it's difficult. I mean, I do think that the word can't is something we overuse and overapply. And I'll agree with them on that. That, you know, it's we say can't a lot of the time. I even talk about this in Fast Feast Repeat, the can't mindset that we need to get out of. I can't have, you know, cream in my coffee. I can't eat right now. No, I'm choosing not to. I absolutely could. But even if I did, it wouldn't change the laws of digestion and it would still break the fast. (laughs) 
Yeah. So for listeners, actually, when this episode comes out, I think, because I'm airing that one pretty fast, normally it's a few months, but I want to air it now. So it actually might be out. I will put a link to it in the show notes. Ooh, when this one comes out, it's going to be March 22nd. Now we'll almost be done with my book. When this episode comes out, I will have, what is it? Nine more days. That is exciting. Okay, now I'm scared. (laughs) I have a lot of work to do. Actually, when this airs, I will have aired the Dave episode. I will also have aired, I don't know if you know this, Jen, I aired that episode with Joel Green about the immunity code. It's one I've been talking about all the time with the one that just blew my mind, blew my mind, but made it a two-part episode because it was so intense. It's the only episode that I've aired that created an entire spinoff Facebook group that I did not start. I love it. So listeners will be thrilled to know part two will have aired. I bumped it up because so many people have been begging me to air it. A lot will have happened when this airs. And I'm going to have some really interesting announcements coming up that I'll be ready to talk about soon. Do I know them? Yep. Oh. Bum, bum, bum. I've got a big new project that I'm doing at the very same time as finishing my book. Oh, I know what it is. Okay. Yeah, it's huge. And I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I've, it's it's a big, 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 big announcement. So, And it's something people are asking me for. And I didn't want to do it. And I was like, I'm never going to do it. Now I'm doing it. So it's not a dating app, though. Well, I mean, there could be dating involved. No, that's true. Not a dating app. No, but it could be kind of a step along the way. I forgot about that. That's true. You're right. Let's say that it is. Let's put that in there. Let's say that there can be a dating component. Yes. Maybe not. I'm not going to say 100% for that. We'll see. No promises. No promises. But maybe. Anyway, with that teaser, we'll just have to see. I'm even excited and I know what it is. (laughs) I'm like, I want to (laughs) know. I am really excited, though, just because many reasons. I'll talk about them later. Not ready to spill the beans. People are probably guessing now. But it's it's something that I'm really, like I said, excited about. And I think it's going to make a huge difference. Where do you think the phrase spill the beans came from? Like, why does that mean saying something? Well, I don't know. That's a great question. We actually want to do a Life Lessons podcast episode on the origin of common sayings. We think that would be fun. We should do that one soon. One thing about that podcast that I love is that we involve our group. And so we'll put something out there. Like if we were planning to do this, we'd say, all right, everybody share yours. You know, just like we do here on this podcast, we answer listener questions. We do that on life lessons, but we also let listeners contribute. Like we want listeners to contribute. It's like a crowdsourced podcast in many ways. Hi, friends. So I'm sort of haunted by clothes. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably know that I love wearing all the new clothes all the time. And I know that that is not really sustainable and not good for the planet. That's why I am thrilled that there is now a way to get all of the clothes with none of the waste. And I'm going to tell you how you can get unlimited clothes with no waste for a month for free. That's right, I now have a website for both myself and you guys where you can get free unlimited clothes with free shipping, free exchanges, nonstop from all of the hottest brands, and it is so incredibly easy. It's called MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. We have so many incredible brands, including my favorites like BCBG, Calvin Klein, 
and so many more. Think like a hundred brands. There are so many options. And the way it works is when you get a subscription, you search through the clothes, pick what you want. They send it to you with fast, easy shipping. You wear it as long as you want. And then when you're ready for more clothes, you just drop it off in their prepackaged envelope and get your next round. It is so incredibly cool. They have multiple plans. The starter plan gives you two pieces at a time. Friends, I actually have a little secret hack. Don't tell them that I told you this. When you get your two pieces, you can actually immediately go into your account, click return, and they'll go ahead and send you the next two pieces. So technically you can have four pieces at a time. You also have a cool virtual closet that you can keep stocked with everything you eventually want to order so you never miss out. And if you really like something and want to keep it, you can opt to buy it at a massively discounted price. Friends, I'm obsessed. This is finally the answer to wearing all the clothes all the time with none of the waste. Oh, and of course, one of my major reservations was the cleaning compounds that they use on the clothes because yes, it is dry cleaning, which normally makes me nervous. And they don't say this on the website. So I reached out to them and I was like, hey, what's going on with the cleaning? What do you guys use? Because I can't promote this if it's just normal dry cleaning. And thankfully, they let me know that they do not use any detergents, fabric softeners, or chemicals that are harsh. Everything is professionally dry cleaned or laundered with detergents that are free from dyes and scents. It's all gentle and it uses low temperature cycles. So yes, we are good on that front as well. It is the coolest thing ever. And you can try it free for a month. Yes, completely free. Just go to MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com to sign up. Free clothes for a month. After that, their plans are super affordable. We're talking honestly, an entire month is less than the cost of typically what would be the cost of one dress. And I am not kidding. That's right. Unlimited clothes for less than the cost of one outfit. I'm just so thrilled to bring this resource to you guys. I can't wait to hear what you guys think. So again, get free unlimited clothes for a month at MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. That's MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com for all of the clothes, none of the waste. And definitely share your pictures and tag me on Instagram because I want to see all the fabulous things that you guys are wearing. That's MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. It's possible for the spill of beans, according to this random article that popped up on Google, It's possible one explanation dates back to ancient Greece when people would use beans to vote anonymously. White beans were used for positive votes and for negative votes. And for negative votes, black beans or dark beans were used. Or it could have to do with the word spill. I don't know. This is a lot. I will look forward to that episode, Jen. Well, we'll see. Shall we (laughs) jump into everything for today? Yes, let's get started. All right, to start things off, we have some listener feedback. This comes from Brooke. The subject is thank you times a million. Brooke says, hello, Jen and Mel. My name is Brooke, and I'm sending you a message from, oh, Kamloops, British Columbia. That's a cool name of a town. It is. She says, I started listening to your podcast about a month ago, and I've been binging ever since the good kind of binging. I'm about halfway through your current content and thought I'd send you guys a message as I noticed you're approaching your 200th episode. Congrats to you both on all your success. I wanted to send you guys a reminder in your 100th episode, you mentioned that you could have wine while recording to celebrate your 200th episode. I'm sure it could have been a joke, but thought it would be fun to send you a reminder of the idea regardless. We failed on that aspect, Jen. We did. And then I like basically stopped drinking wine. I did have wine last night. We went out to dinner and we had some French champagne. So. Oh, how was it? It was good. I didn't drink a ton, but. Champagne gives me headaches so bad. Does it? Yeah. Instantly. Like instant headache. Wow. Not me. (laughs) 
<laughs> but I never feel my best when I drink. You know, normally we, we went out. It's the week after Valentine's Day here. So we avoided going out on Valentine's Day. That's, by the way, how you know you're officially, I guess, old. I don't know. When you're like, let's go out next weekend to avoid the crowds <laughs> instead of on the day. So we went out to a restaurant that we really like. And with proper social distancing, of course. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, the restaurants have the guidelines in place and they're following them. But we went out and, well, normally when we would have, when we would go out, like a year ago when I was not, you know, drinking less wine, we would have had more than we would have gone somewhere else and had like an after dinner drink Then I would have come home. I mean, yeah, I was like, had no desire to do any of that. So it's, it's a big change. And I feel so much better today than I would have in the past. That's good. It is good. It is good. So, you know, I'm learning how to live my life with, you know, there'll still be wine here and there, but I didn't come home and open another bottle of wine or, you know, have another drink. So, but it's okay to still have it in there. Well, back to Brooke's feedback. She says, I've only been living an IF lifestyle for five months, but I've already had tremendous success in so many aspects of my life. I've lost 50 pounds. I know that was really fast. I think I must have a fantastic gut microbiome. Oh, I love that she associates, you know, most people, when they talk about their weight loss, the first thing they think isn't their gut microbiome. I know. But I feel like it most often is. Probably. So I'm happy to hear Brooke say that. She says, I've developed an incredibly healthy relationship with food and perhaps the most profound benefit of all, I'm able to lead an active lifestyle again. Prior to IF, my rare muscle disease would prevent me from maintaining any sort of regular physical activity. Every time I attempted to get active, lactic acid would build up in my muscles. My muscles would start breaking down faster than my body could repair them. Then they'd begin to spasm uncontrollably. Due to the rapid muscle breakdown, my kidneys would start to shut down because they couldn't handle the amount of breakdown that was happening. In the medical world, this is referred to as rhabdomyolis. And listeners, I don't know if I said that right, but this word is very complicated. She says, even light exercise would trigger these episodes. Since I've been doing IF, I can now exercise. I work out three times a week for 45 minutes doing a combination of cardio and strength training, and I walk my dogs almost every day for an hour. My physician has been following this closely and is amazed. He gave me the go-ahead, thanks to IF, to continue living an active lifestyle. I still don't know how this is happening, but I do know that it is without a doubt a result of living an IF lifestyle. Thank you, Mel and Jen, for all your experience, research, encouragement, and your drive to make the world a better place, a world where everyone is free to do what feels right and what works for them. Listening to you both every day encourages me, motivates me, and inspires me to invest in myself and in those who I love. I love that you reiterate that there is no one approach, but that the best approach is the approach that helps you live a happy, healthy, and sustainable lifestyle. I could go on and on about both of you gals, but I'll leave it at that. Thank you for all that you do. So much love, Brooke. Oh, that's amazing. I've never heard of that condition before. I can't say it either. Funny side note, Melanie, you've experienced this when reading a book for Audible. You know, when I was reading my book, I realized how many words that I wrote that I didn't know how to say. (laughs) And I was like, I don't know how to say this. And my producer was like, yeah, me neither. And we would look it up. So, oh my God, my new book has got so many words I'm not going to be able to say. I should just stop now. (laughs) I think it's really funny when I listen to audiobooks. There are a few key words that 
I feel like I do now know how to say, but they'll say it wrong. I'm just thinking of like I was listening to a book right now and like they called resveratrol something. Oh, the narrator said it wrong? Yeah, like that's hilarious. Resveratrol. I don't know. I don't know. I was like, I think he means resveratrol. <laughs> okay, well, that makes me feel better. Yeah. And this was like a, this was like a narrator I've heard before too on like a pretty, like a professional narrator. Yeah. I love it. Speaking of words, did you know that iterate means the same thing as reiterate? Hmm. No. They both just mean to emphasize. Interesting. I mean, I've heard iteration, like the iteration of, you know, as an idea develops, but I, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say iterate. Like, so when she said that you reiterate, she could also say that you iterate. Yeah, I've never heard that word in usage. I use it now all the time. When I'm about to say reiterate, I don't. And then I pause and I say iterate. So that sounds weird, though. I know. (laughs) Just because it is a word doesn't mean you should say it. I want people to question me. Okay. (laughs) I actually have a theory about why IF helped her condition. All right. What's your theory? My theory is, so it sounds like she has an issue with, I mean, I don't know anything about the technicalities of this condition, but it sounds like... Like why lactic acid builds up. Right. Like, I don't know if it's because, like, is she producing more lactic acid or is it because she lacks the ability to break down lactic acid? In any case, there's too much lactic acid. Lactic acid is, like, when we're following a primarily glucose-fueled state, we have higher buildup of lactic acid in our activity. So ketogenic diets reduce lactic acid. I'm assuming fasting would as well. So it's quite possible that her exercise is not producing as much lactic acid. That's my theory. Very good theory. I'm very fascinated by lactic acid. I have never one time thought about lactic acid. (laughs) I think about it too much. Apparently. The reason I think about it is I think it's one of those things you can actually really feel. So if you haven't done fasting or if you're primarily carb fueled and you're doing workouts, like you can feel that burn in your muscle when you've built up lactic acid. And now I rarely ever feel it. The only time I feel it is if I did some crazy carb up or something and then I will feel it again. And I'm just really fascinated. Okay. Now that just gave me an interesting connection. Sometimes when people are new to intermittent fasting, they'll say that they have strange muscle pain, like they worked out and they didn't. They don't know why. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know why either, but we hear that. I bet it's something with lactic acid building up as a response to early fasting. That's so interesting. Well, I don't know if the lactic acid builds up. Well, I don't know. People feel it. People feel a pain. What would cause for your muscles to feel like you'd worked out when you hadn't? Wouldn't that be the buildup of lactic acid, perhaps? See, I told you I've never once thought about it, so. Maybe. I mean, the lactic acid builds up from using the muscles, though. Right, right. And that's where the pain comes in, right? The burning feeling. Right. So maybe something with the fasting is causing lactic acid to, I mean, I don't know why. I don't know what it would be. Yeah, I don't know. Could be something going on. Something is definitely going on. I just always tell them I don't know what it is, but we've heard it before. That's really good enough for me. (laughs) I don't know what's happening, but you're not the first to have it happen. (laughs) And people don't experience it forever. That's another good thing. You're not going to be like in pain for the rest of your life. It's a temporary thing. It's interesting. I will only have the lactic acid feeling because I eat high carb diet from fruit. I only get it if I carb up on 
glucose stuff. So like if I, if I've experimented with having like potatoes or sweet potatoes or something or rice, then the next day I will have that effect and I I don't like it at all. (laughs) Peter Atia had a good episode recently on this. You can put a link to it in the show notes. Always interesting. Yep. Okie doke. Shall we move on to the questions? Yes. All right. We have one from Ezra and the subject is physical pain, inflammation, and IF. Greetings from Sweden. This is an example like Ezra's last name definitely looks Swedish and it's very cool, but I don't know if I could say it, but I love the look of it. It looks very Swedish. I love it. Yep. (laughs) Hello, Melanie and Jen. I've listened to this podcast as well as intermittent fasting stories and the Melanie Avalon biohacking podcast for months now and have to say thank you so much for all the hard work that you put out. It's really helped me so much in figuring out my own journey with IF. So to the subject, I've been doing IF on and off for two years and recently made the decision to again work myself up to a 16 to 20 hour fast each day. I've currently been fasting these hours for about two weeks, and here comes my question. Oh, my God. This is like exactly practically what I just said. I was just thinking that. I was thinking that when I saw it. It was funny. Okay, when you were talking about that, I was like, that was an accident. I know. When you were talking about it, I was like, I think we have a question about this in today's lineup. Well, I mean, I just answered somebody with the same question today on the Ask a Moderator thread in the Delay Don't Deny group. So this is so funny. All right. Can fasting temporarily make your body ache and give you inflammation? I sometimes have pain in my joints, and as I've been fasting, it's been getting worse. I have pain in some part of my body every day. I love the energy that fasting gives me, but I'm scared that maybe I'm doing something wrong. Do you know what could be causing this? Although I will say, Melanie, I think it's it's the joints, so that is a little different. I do have a thought about that, but I'm going to keep reading. When I eat, I always have some meat or fish with vegetables. I don't have any food restrictions and will also finish my eating window with something sweet. I have noticed, though, that now that I'm fasting, I don't crave sweets as much as I used to, so that's good. I don't know if the pain has anything to do with my fasting. I just noticed that it started to get worse as I fasted more. Would love to hear your thoughts on this. Lots of love from Ezra. All right. So this is a great question from Ezra. I have a lot of thoughts about it. Fasting, it's not causing an injury to your body that is resulting in pain. Like that's not what is happening. I don't want to say that objectively. I am pretty sure that's not what is happening. However, your body can go into different modes from fasting that might exacerbate pain. The fasting is not the direct cause. Fasting caused the pain, but fasting causes X, which causes Y, which gives you the pain along the way. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And it could be a lot of things, like just speaking to pain in general. I know this word is so overused and casual. Like the detox effects from fasting can result in pain or discomfort. Can I tell you something I just read yesterday? Mm -hmm. I read a study about that, (laughs) and it was about how toxins and how they're stashed in our fat cells, which we know, but they did a study with two groups of women, one group that were going through, they were obese, and they were going through weight loss surgery, and the other group of women were lean, normal weight women. 
And so they they tested their, you know, to figure out their body burden, which is their overall, you know, toxic load, their chemical load, you know, what's stashed away in their fat cells. And they tested their blood to see what was circulating in their blood. And they found that as the women who had the, the gastric bypass, I believe, was, was their surgical intervention, as they, you know, went through the weight loss process, obviously they lost fat very, very quickly. And they found that the circulating levels of the toxins actually went up. As it was being released from their fat stores, they measured it. And then overall, though, you see, and that's the part that's a little scary because, you know, you're like, you got these, why are the toxins in our fat stores? Well, our bodies stash them away because they don't know what to do. It's like if you have to clean your room in a hurry and you shove everything under the bed. Oh, that is such a good example. I should put that in the book. I'm going to go add that now. I've got to, I've got to remember it. But, you know, you shove it under the bed so that, you know, it looks all nice and tidy. But then eventually you're going to have to get it back out from under the bed and it's going to be a big mess. And so the good news is, though, that on the other side, their overall body burden was lower. That was the whole point of the study. But, I mean, this was in PubMed. It's a, it's a study. It's, you know, it's not just theoretical that our bodies stash things away in our fat stores. Yeah. And the release of those toxins is going to, you know, very likely result in body aches, inflammation. Or acne or a headache or whatever. Also something that can be huge for the joints. And I don't know if this is specific to Ezra, but I had on Sally Norton for an episode on oxalates. And man, talking to her, I'm like, I don't know why people don't talk about oxalates more. But a lot of people who do things like the carnivore diet, for example, talk about oxalate dumping. So there are compounds that are found in a lot of like leafy greens, some fruits. There's various foods that are high in them. Actually, if you get my app Food Sense Guide, it has oxalates as one of the 12 or 13 compounds. And it shows the levels of oxalates in over 300 foods. You can get that at melanieavalon.com slash Guide. All of that to say, oxalates, they're like the one plant compound that actually deposits in us. It can form these crystals and they deposit in our bones and our joints. And a lot of people seem to experience, especially when they do a carnivore diet, but I would see how this would also happen with fasting, oxalate dumping. And that can lead to very intense pain in your joints, particularly. So that could be something. Gout is something that, you know, that brings to mind. Gout is uric acid. Is that related to the oxalates? Mm-hmm. Okay. I didn't know the the chain, but I was just, when I was reading it, I was thinking gout because we have a lot of, you know, there's a lot of anecdotal report of, you know, gout will be exacerbated early in fasting. And you can actually read that, that link, you know, if you Google it, gout gets worse. And is it because of dumping the uric acid crystals? Well, that's what, you know, the, the gout is the buildup of those crystals in the joints, and that's what causes the pain. And so, I mean, is it from dumping that, you know, probably, I guess, I don't know, I'm not a gout expert, so I'm just talking out of my head here, but you know, that will scare a lot of people. Like, a lot of people will then stop fasting because they're like, oh my gosh, it's making my gout, you know, go crazy. They'll they'll have this pain. But we've actually heard reports from members in the group that it gets better and then they no longer have gout flare-ups. It's kind of like, again, you know, if you go deep into the forest, you're going to have to get back out of the forest going the other direction. So think about, you know, your gout flare-up the same way. It's going to be maybe worse before it gets better as you're going out through the other side. Yeah. I mean, and it seems like especially people that have a really high buildup of all of that, 
uric acid. I think they're like uric acid crystals and they relate to oxalates. Apparently it can take for some people like a long time. Like Sally was saying that, I mean, it can be like years for some people. And like, you can feel like you've maybe excreted all of them, but then it it takes a long time to get to some of the, like the deep reserves. So she talks about how she had a flare up of different parts of her body, like way later, you know, after she'd been doing a low oxalate diet for quite a while and it kind of went in phases. Yeah. It's like, again, it's the things you have stashed away and they have to come out. And so there can be some discomfort along the way, but it should get better eventually. But then you almost are like, was this worth it? You know, (laughs) I don't know. (sighs) But I don't see a mechanism of action where fasting, where not putting something in your body, it could be the cause of pain, like the direct, you know, not touching something doesn't make you feel something, if that makes sense. Yeah. Fasting didn't cause the problem. It just got it out from under the bed. Yes. It's like the flashlight example. Right. So. Well, I hope that helps Ezra. Yes. Now we have a question from Amy. The subject is possible metabolism slowdown, help needed. Amy says, hi, Jen and Melanie. I learned so much from both of you and am so appreciative of the podcast. I cannot thank you both enough. I'm a 52-year-old teacher with two teenage boys living in California. I relate so much to Jen and had been on a similar yo-yo dieting path from Weight Watchers to Nutrisystem to Ideal Protein to Fentermine. Is that that? That's how I say it. Yep. And many more in between. I listen to your podcasts, read your books, and finally feel free from my terror of eating now that I have a fasting toolbox. I mix it up with windows from one to six hours, 42 hour ADF, and every now and again, a 72 hour fast is what she means. She says, that said, I am starting to worry that I have slowed down my metabolism and I'm wondering what I can do to boost it back up again. I'm 5'3 and weighed 170 pounds at the start of my intermittent fasting journey, which I diligently began on January 3rd, 2020. I clean fasted right from the start and worked my way up to doing mostly 21-3. By April, after about a 10-pound weight loss, I have been stalled for more than two months. I posted about this on Jen's blog, and she wrote me back. This was exciting, and suggested trying ADF, which was a game-changer for me. In May, I started with one 42-hour fast a week, and over a couple of weeks, upped it to at least three times a week. From June to August, I started seeing results again. On eating days, I still keep a window, but I am a big eater, maybe even a binger. Though I mostly eat healthy whole foods, even when I have one to two proper meals, I tend to graze during my window, half an avocado here, some almonds there, cheese, carrots, dipped in hummus, cottage cheese, apples, cinnamon, a lot. As I said, I mostly stick to whole foods, but I do not eat low carb most days. I have some gluten-free crackers, bread, and pretzels. And since I tend to eat too much during my window, especially when I leave it open beyond three hours, I have not been too worried about not eating enough on the days I was not fasting because of this pattern. While I generally only weigh myself about two times a week, 135 has been my lowest weight for at least the last month. I'm not yet at my goal weight of 128 pounds. That's a very specific number. I'm just thinking. It really is. And it's very close to where she is already. (laughs) I'm going to say that now. 128 is very close to 135. Hi, friends. Now, if you're anything like me, you love biohacking, intermittent fasting, and getting feedback and data on what our bodies are doing. Now, when we do intermittent fasting or extended or prolonged fasting, it's hard to get feedback sometimes on how our bodies 
are doing in terms of fat burning and ketosis. This is one of the reasons that I created the Tone Device, which is a breath ketone analyzer. It can tell you the rate of fat burning your body is in by detecting the ketones on your breath. If you practice intermittent fasting, time-restricted eating, do an occasional 24-hour fast like once a week, or prolonged or extended fasting, it's likely your body is getting into light ketosis. If you are doing keto or low-carb, even sometimes paleo, you may be getting into a deeper state of fat burning and ketosis. If you do a high-carb diet, then you probably get into a light state of ketosis after some fasting. What I love about the tone is that you can simply breathe into it for about four to five seconds, and it will give you instant feedback on the rate of fat burning that your body is at. Now, when we are in ketosis, our bodies are at their highest rate of fat burning, which is what is so neat. We actually breathe out our fat. So the carbons that we are measuring with the tone device are actually coming from our fat. When we practice different approaches like intermittent fasting or doing time-restricted eating, lower-carb diets or keto approaches, our bodies actually make a metabolic switch where fat becomes our primary fuel. And the body takes fat and converts it into ketones in the liver. About 15 to 20% of those circulating ketones are then diffused through our lungs, out in our breath. And it is so amazing. I absolutely love using the tone every single day. I love the biofeedback, especially when I am doing any kind of fasting. And I can see my body gradually get into a deeper and deeper state of fat burning through those ketone levels going higher and higher. Now, one of the reasons I created the tone is because testing blood ketones is cost prohibitive. The test strips are extremely expensive. They are wasteful. You no longer have to buy test strips anymore. You can just breathe into the tone device for four to five seconds and get that instant feedback. It's a one-time investment and you'll be able to test an unlimited amount of times. Now, I always recommend testing with the tone device fasted first thing in the morning and testing up until you have your first meal of the day and you will be able to see differences there, especially if you do a longer fast, you'll see the ketones go higher and higher and it really is so great to get that biofeedback. Now for the past year and a half, I've been working on a brand new version of the tone, the second generation tone device, and I am so excited for it to soon be available to you all. I wanted to create a special launch discount for the Tone device so that any of you who are interested can take advantage of that discount. I've never discounted the Tone device before, but if you are signed up to the exclusive VIP list, you will receive that launch discount. To sign up for the list, you can go to tonedevice.com and enter your name and email address and you will receive an email which you can confirm to double opt-in and you'll be the first to know when the new second generation tone device is available to order and you will also receive that exclusive launch discount. I am so excited for you all to try it so be sure to go and sign up at tonedevice.com. All right now back to our show. So she says this morning after four consecutive days of regular 21-3 I am back to 139 pounds I've not seen this since mid-August. I'm finding that when I don't do ADF and switch back to a daily eating window anywhere from one to six hours for three to four consecutive days, my weight shoots back up. Have I totally messed up my metabolism? What can I do to boost it? 
Now I have around 10 more pounds to lose. Should I be switching to low carb or keto? Where does that leave me after I reach my goal weight though? I do not want to eat keto regularly and I certainly do not want to eliminate pizza for the rest of my life. Once I do lose the rest, I now have concerns about maintaining. I have every intention of fasting being my way of life forever. And I was loving the flexibility of having an eating window on some days as a way of maintenance, especially since I find ADF is more challenging while school is in session. If eating in a 21, three lifestyle is causing me to gain back weight, I am not so sure it is sustainable. I know it works for Jen. Any suggestions for how to tweak it for me? I love this way of life so much, and I hope I have not messed it up. I'm grateful for advice on how to lose the last 10 pounds and a plan for maintenance afterwards. All right. So the first thing I really want to emphasize is your weight went from 135, Amy, to 139 in four days. We do not gain or lose fat that quickly. You did not gain four pounds of fat in four days. What I would say to you is, even though 135 is the lowest weight you saw, I think 139, if, if you had to, if you asked me, how much does Amy weigh really? It's 139. That's the weight of your body with normal eating. You know, you've had you know, 21.3, which feels good to you. When I would do ADF, I got lower lows than my body would maintain at, if that makes sense, just like you're seeing here. The lows I would get to on ADF were not sustained the real weight that I was, if that makes sense. I wouldn't count that 135, even though you saw it on the scale. Just like that day I saw 129 on the scale, but, you know, that one day, you know, I never maintained that. As soon as I went back to eating more food, my weight shot up. Well, was it all fat? No. Just remember, food has weight and your body maintains water to process that food. So for me, you're not back to 139. That's just really the weight of your body plus the weight of the food. And when you were 135, that's the weight of your body with no food in it. So that's the difference between the two weights. So you just have to understand 135 and 139 are like the same you. The same amount of you is in there. It's just you got that four pounds of other stuff going on that's not fat. All right, so does that indicate that your metabolism is messed up? No. An indication of a messed up metabolism is when if your weight started to go up, 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 up all the time and wouldn't go down, you know, that would be possibly an indication. But it sounds like you're really shifting, you know, shifting things up and shaking things up. I wouldn't think your metabolism is slowed down unless you are doing a lot of 72-hour fasts. You said every now and again, you know, my definition of every now and again would be like once a season. If you're doing more frequent 72-hour fasts than once a season, then that's probably too much. And I don't even know, unless you're doing it for health purposes, I am not a fan of doing fasts longer than ADF for the purpose of weight loss. Because again, it's it's not giving you, you know, the benefits you know, when we have that that study that we looked to that I talked about in Fast Feast Repeat, you know, the 72-hour fasting, the metabolic rate was on a downward trajectory as we approached our 72. So, and what we don't have is research on frequent fasts of that duration. So if, if one 72-hour fast had their metabolism on a downward trajectory, imagine what would happen if you did them over and over and over. The body is trying to keep you alive. That would slow your metabolic rate over time. Now, when you're doing the 42-hour ADF, 
I just want to make sure, because you said that you know, you're know you having one or two proper meals. I hope that's not on the day after the, the longer fast. Remember, you need at least two meals on those days, and three would, again, be okay. If you are feeling a need to binge, like if you feel like you're binging, like with the alternate day fasting pattern more so, I do think binging is a sign that you might be over-restricting, so keep that in mind, because that's your body saying you need more food. So just file that idea away, and if you tend to binge more on one pattern versus the other, that could be a sign that your body is perceiving whatever you're doing as over-restriction. So keep that in mind. So how do you lose those last 10 pounds? What I want you to do is really focus on long-term, your honesty pants, your photos, less focus on the scale, and understand you know, that fluctuation from 135 to 139 is not, you know, showing quick, rapid fat gain. My body, I don't weigh now, obviously, with, with a scale that shows me numbers. I use my shape of scale. But, you know, I can be puffy after, depending if I, you know, what I ate, my face might be puffy. And if I were seeing numbers on the scale, I'm sure it would be up several pounds. But I don't see the number. And then it goes back down. You know, my shape of color is gray, then my shape of color is teal, then my shape of color is green. I mean, you know, over over time from day, you know, it might be three days of gray, two days of green, one day of teal, five days of green. You know, weight naturally varies. So maybe consider a shape of scale. If you don't have one, go to jenstevens.com slash shape and instead of you know that that rapid transition from from one weight to another, it only shows you on the shape of scale your real overall trend. So you'll know for sure if your trend is is trending up or not. I don't know. What do you have to add to that, Melanie? I might have just rambled a lot. I thought that was great. I like the concept of what is her quote, like the real her weight and the difference with the food. The only thing I would draw further attention to would be, I would suggest rather than focusing so much on all of the different fasting windows, If you're open to it, focusing on the food that you're eating, mostly because she even says that she possibly has binging tendencies and that she struggles with overeating. It's really hard for a lot of people to, if they're taking in massive, massive amounts of food, especially if those foods are potentially inflammatory for your body or high in polyunsaturated fats, which I'm very passionate about, it can be hard to do that and make forward progress losing weight. I just feel like it's a situation where you can't always, quote, have your cake and eat it too, but you can. Your taste buds and gut microbiome and what you're eating and your appetite and your cravings can all adjust to the foods that you're eating. So making food choices, like slowly changing your food choices towards food choices that are more supportive of metabolism, less likely to encourage fat storage Making those changes can have really profound effects. I know she's really hesitant about doing low carb, for example. That is something that I'll often suggest is if you haven't done it, trying low carb. Or if you haven't done it, trying a high carb, low fat approach on the flip side. She says she eats mostly whole foods, but there can be a big difference between mostly and only whole foods. And it's possible when you eat only whole foods that you can be completely 100% satisfied still but it can make a big difference between mostly and all whole foods. I just think there's a lot of potential in addressing what she's eating, like a lot of potential, rather than 
trying all these different fasting patterns all the time and trying to make that be the thing that leads to the weight loss. If weight loss is the goal, there's a lot of potential with changing up the food choices. Yep. So many things to tweak and to try. And speaking to like not eliminating pizza for the rest of her life, something that works really well for a lot of people is doing like six days a week of the quote diet, but you know, it could just be whole foods only. And then having like, I know we don't like the word cheat, but having like a a free or a cheat day. And especially if you do it still in an intermittent fasting pattern, that might be something that could work. Maybe moving the potentially more fat storage, potential promoting foods or inflammatory foods to like a dedicated one day per week. Yeah. I like to call it a planned indulgence day because you're not cheating. You planned it. You're doing it on purpose. And a lot of people have this in their plans. I recently interviewed Abel James, Fat Burning Man. He has that in his book. I mean, there's a lot of people who include this. The Lean Gains Protocol includes stuff like this. Yeah, I would consider trying that. And also, if you do decide to have a planned indulgence day once a week, understanding what's happening with your weight after that is also so important. Like some people will get really upset about the scale after a planned indulgence, you might find your weight shoots up four pounds. And then it takes you several days of, you know, being back on, you know, quote, on plan to see your weight go back down. So people might think, you know, it's just I gain four pounds of fat every time I do this. And then it takes me four days to lose that fat. Well, that's not what's happening. It's again, it's the weight, the extra water, the food, the inflammation that those, you know, those foods cause. You're not losing, you're not gaining four pounds of fat and losing four pounds of fat. It's it's something else going on. We do not gain or lose fat that quickly. We just don't. All right. We have time for one more? I think so. Okay. We have a question from Hannah. The subject is the unbroken, broken fast. She says, hi, girls. Big fan of all you do. I've been IF since 2017. I consider myself an old hat at fasting since I've tried and tested so many methods over the years. My sweet spot is 19.5. I fast clean, what I call the gin way. Oh, thank you, Hannah. She said, I've been low carb slash paleo for about six months. I changed my diet after a serious health crash in 2020. I'm suffering with liver problems at the moment, and my naturopath has me on a liver flush drink, which consists of one green apple, two garlic cloves, the juice of one lemon, two-centimeter piece of ginger, a tablespoon of olive oil, and 200 milliliters of filtered water. I have to drink this fasted as early in the day as I can. Between 10 and 11 is what I aim for, followed by a strong cup of dandelion or peppermint tea. The first time I tried it, I waited to see how long before I got the shaky hands and dizziness telling me I need food. It never happened. I carried on with my day and ate my first real food at around 3 p.m., I have to do this liver flush up to four times a week. As soon as I drink it, I consider my fast as broken, but I don't understand why I can keep, quote, fasting, unquote, after it without getting shaky or dizzy or hungry. Any ideas? All right, Hannah, this is a great question. I think this speaks to, I don't want to say it's like a fasting myth, but I think it's a fasting idea that has come about that. It's not, I don't think it's entirely accurate. And it's this idea that we should have a negative reaction to 
accidentally breaking the fast. Yes. It's like this idea that fasting regulates our hunger. And so once we eat, that is going to have a negative reaction. It does for a lot of people. But in theory, a quote, correctly functioning body, it's made to process food. If your body is really good at processing calories, you have good insulin sensitivity, eating food should not make you more hungry and it shouldn't make you shaky. There's a difference when I say food, there's a difference between real food and you know processed food and things like that. But it's not expected or a good thing that we get shaky from things that quote, break the fast. So I don't want people to anticipate that. I was just going to say the shakiness happens if you have a blood sugar crash. So, you know, you're having this meal that you're opening with, you know, we're, we're going to consider that to be a meal. This liver flush drink has fat in it. It has fruits in it, but the olive oil probably slows the absorption of the apple and the, the lemon juice and the ginger. Because when we have fat along with, with you know, those, those fruit things, the fat slows the absorption. So your blood glucose doesn't rise very, very quickly to the point that it would then crash. Right. I mean, some people might drink this and they would have the shaky response. It all comes down to the individual and their own insulin sensitivity, their own, just how they handle food and fuel. How much blood glucose was in their blood to start with when they had it? For example, your blood glucose could go down a lot and you don't feel shaky because you didn't feel it because it was already high. And then it also doesn't mean, because there could be somebody who is doing fasting and then they have something like this and they don't experience any difference. So then they think, oh, it didn't break my fast. It did break your fast. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. Right. And some people try to use that as like some kind of a test. Like, well, I tried the lemon in my water and I didn't feel any difference. So it must be fine. No, (laughs) it's still, you know, it's still juice of a a fruit. It's still not going to be part of fasting. You can't always tell based on how you feel. So on the flip side, when we say, you know, if, if something breaks your fast and you feel it, yeah, sometimes you will. But that doesn't mean just because you didn't feel it, that doesn't mean that it didn't. Like someone gave a great example, one of my moderators, someone was testing their blood glucose to try to see, and you know, you'll see videos about this. There'll be people who are, you know, making a YouTube video on, video on, I tested my blood glucose after blah, blah, blah to see if it broke my fast and it didn't because my blood glucose didn't change. And that is such a false way of thinking about it because the moderator that was talking about it, she tests her blood glucose frequently. And she said, yeah, I just ate a meal that included, you know, and she named off all these foods that she ate and her blood glucose didn't change. She's like, so did that not break her fast? Right. It did. It was food. You know, (laughs) what your blood glucose does is not the the be all end all. The other thing, especially after having worn a CGM now for like, I mean, months at this point, I don't have one on right now, but months total. It's really hard to know like when you're testing it at any one moment after trying something, when is that an accurate reflection of the food? Like if you're wearing a CGM, you might see it change within minutes differently. And so if you had taken that blood draw at just a minute prior or or a minute later, it might have been a completely different number, especially right after eating when it's, you know, changing. So, yeah, very true. So, you know, it can be tricky, but I love that Hannah is is recognizing fully that you know, she's opening her window with this this beverage and she's following her naturopath's directions and she's making it fit into her intermittent fasting protocol. But I think it's a really good sign that it doesn't make her shaky, dizzy, or hungry. Her body is managing it. Yeah, exactly. So it's something, it's a good thing. 
that's a plus. All right. Well, this has been absolutely wonderful. So a few things for listeners before we go. If you would like to submit your own questions for the podcast, you can directly email questions at ifpodcast.com or you can go to ifpodcast.com and you can submit questions there. The show notes for this episode will be at ifpodcast.com slash episode 205. You can follow us on Instagram at Melanie Avalon and Jen is at Jen Stevens. How's Instagram going, Jen? Well, I'm I'm rolling along. <laughs> Did you see my photo? I posted a photo the other day of from college with my big hair. Oh, wait, let me see. Oh my goodness. That is very large hair. I know. And, it, and my hair wasn't the biggest, you know. I've that How do you get it like that? <laughs> Okay, everybody who's my age is laughing so hard because we had to work at it, Melanie. Curling irons and mousse. Do you know what mousse is? Oh, yes. I forgot about mousse. Hairspray. So what you would do is, okay, first of all, you had to have bangs. They had to be cut a certain way. <laughs> and all these little bangy layers. So when you when your hair was wet, you would take the mousse and you would put it all in whatever the part of your hair that needed to stick out. And then you would dry it with your brush and then you would curl it. Then you might even do a little teasing of your, you know, with your comb. <laughs> and you would spray, 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 spray that hairspray. And it did not move. It was like a helmet. When I was doing a lot of background work on a lot of different TV shows, whenever it was like 80s scenes, Man, the makeup artists, they knew what they were doing. I just felt like doing that for one day just like would wreck my hair. <laughs> I'd be sitting there in the makeup chair being like, Ugh. Yeah, it was it was a lot of stuff on our hair. We, we had a lot of products. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but, yeah, you can see how much I used my curling iron that day. Yeah. And I, I think I also had a perm. Nice. Even the boys got perms. Really? It was so funny. I remember being in high school and this guy, he was super cute. He was in a lot of my classes and he had his perm. <laughs> it sounds crazy now, but it's what we did. It's so funny. I love the 80s. Well, awesome. <laughs> well, this has been absolutely amazing. Anything from you, Jen, before we go? Nope. I think that's it. All right. Well, I will talk to you next week. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember that everything discussed on the show is not medical advice. We're not doctors. You can also check out our other podcasts, Intermittent Fasting Stories and the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. The music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.